A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Happy St. Valentine's, everybody. Directly from my heart to you. Hello and welcome to Changes. I'm Annie McManus. You just heard the voice of the iconic punk poet, also known as the Bard of Salford, John Cooper Clark. John started performing his witty poetry amidst the punk scene of the 1970s, sharing stages with musicians such as the Sex Pistols, the Buzzcocks and the Clash. His trademark look of big hair and drainpipe trousers, along with his instantly recognisable witty Mancunian delivery, have made him one of Britain's most famous poets. His most renowned poem, I Wanna Be Yours, has ended up on the UK curriculum, is often a favourite at weddings, and was famously used by the Arctic Monkeys on their song of the same name from the AM album. With that in mind, we thought we would get him on for an alternative Valentine's Week episode. It's a pleasure to welcome to Changes today. John Cooper Clark. Hello, Annie. It's great to have you here. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. How are you with change in general? Not good. I'm, you know, I like every day to be exactly like the one that went before, if that was a good day. So, no, I'm a a bit of a routine uh, freak. (laughs) Is is that new? Is that that always new? No, no, I think it's a a quality I've always kind of. uh, had. <laughs> if I asked you the question, where do poems come from? What would you say? That's a very intelligent question. And uh, if I knew where poetry came from, I'd go there <laughs> more often. <laughs> no, I think that I think the manufacture of poetry requires a kind of magic that it can only come about through graft and kind of a kind of monomania. A fixatory personality, I think, is a great help to any poet. That plus idleness. It begins as the plaything of an idle hour. And then if you're like me, it gets out of hand. (laughs) I don't think it's entirely true that nobody likes poetry. I'm sure everybody gives it a go. The Feast of St. Valentine, for instance. Birthdays, christenings, engagements, all call forth you know, the rhyming skills. Put it this way, Clinton cards ain't going out of business. Poetry <laughs> itself couldn't be more accessible, is what I'm mm. saying. Everybody gives it a go. But like I say with me, it sort of got out of hand and uh, turned into my actual job. <laughs> what is it about you, John Cooper Clark, that made you that person that stuck to it and committed to it? Well, I think I am a, a slightly kind of nerdy, flaky kind of person, you know. Uh, I was uh, quite unhealthy as a kid. The sedentary life was really, became my M.O. Yeah. <laughs> in, in a way. Well, you, that was one of your answers for your childhood change. So when we asked you what your biggest childhood change was, you said recovering from TB. Yeah, that's right, yeah. How old were you? Oh, school age, you know. And, uh, but but the, that was the great thing about it. It took me out of school, which I hated every minute of. Yeah. So it was great sort of uh, 
you know, I was more or less uh, encouraged to be out in the fresh air. Yeah, so that meant, you know, I, had to, I didn't have any friends in uh, real. So I, I guess I kind of cultivated an inner life, as they say. But I've never, having said that, I sound like, you know, that I write poetry for some cathartic purpose. But I wouldn't want you to run away with that idea, you know, uh, early on. I, I, when I found out I was good at it, you know, I wrote it with a view to uh, reciting it in public for a living. So I've never seen it as a way of dealing with anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it must do that, though, unconsciously. It must, even the act of writing it must, must do something for you. Yeah, you, well, it's, like I say, it's graft. I mean, uh, you know, mm. what's inspiration? It's just an aimless electrical charge. Wouldn't stand up in a court of reality. You also cited as a big childhood change, John, was the acquisition of a bicycle. Yeah, that was a, that was a big thing. A very positive thing, obviously. It got me out of the house, a bit of exercise, but, you know, relaxing at the same time. And in no time at all, I was, I was uh, on the main roads. I was a bad kid. Were you a bad kid? Well, you know, uh, no worse than anybody else. I was kind of cheeky, but I wasn't evil. Up to that point, at 11, 12 years old, I'd been a bookies runner. Everybody I knew, you know, used to have odd jobs for money, you know, at school, paper rounds, this, that and the other. But mine was a bookies runner. Thanks to my daddy, got me this job as a bookies runner when in the days when it was illegal. And they right. used to hire, like, uh, uh, kids who were too young to be seriously prosecuted to take the bets to the illegal bookkeeper. So I had this really lucrative job. If anybody came, if anybody's horse came up, it was uh, it was the done thing that they should kind of, you know, financial treat. I used to operate out of several barber shops and right. even uh, three or four pubs. So I was kind yeah. of introduced to the sort of low-life world of degenerate gamblers, you know, yeah. at a very early age. But it never got out of hand because I think because... At an early age, I saw where it could lead, you know. Uh, but it, it was also, but it was very lucrative. I was, I was incredibly rich for a kid of my age, but but I didn't know what to spend it on. So, did you spend it on the bike, or was that already bought by then? A lot of it, yeah. Bought the bike outright with it. Yeah, nice. four pound fifty. And John, can I ask you about Salford? Like, how did it shape you? How did it leave its mark on you? It was a good place to live, you know. I mean. I didn't really live in Coronation Street kind of Salford. We always lived in apartments when I was a kid and on a main road above a chemist, you know. And it, it was You could walk into the centre of Manchester within 12 minutes from where I lived. So it was a kind yeah. of inner city existence. I loved it while I lived there. I, I really did. I, I was always a bit squeamish about the countryside. You know, if we, when we went on holiday, I was to be honest, I was glad to get back back home. <laughs> you know, but it it was real kind of squalid back then, though. You know, bomb craters and in, heavy mm. industry. You know, yeah. bad air. <laughs> yeah. But we made our own entertainment. So why did you want to leave? I think I always wanted to get out. Because uh, this is before the Beatles, really, uh, you know, when it was unthinkable that you could ever make it in literature or music. 
if you didn't move to London, frankly. So I, I just always had that on my horizon, you know, moving to London where the, the business is. If we go on to the biggest change of your adult life, can you remember what you said for that? The biggest change in my adult life would have been going yeah. professional, poetry-wise. After years of thankless endeavour upon the shop floor. <laughs> Which shop are we talking? I was sort of part of a window cleaning round <laughs> at one point. Apprentice motor mechanic. I worked in the rag trade as a cutter. And then okay. I was a compositor. I, I was an apprentice printer. Were you writing poetry at this time? Were you performing poetry at this time when you were working in the printers? And were you telling anyone about it? No, I didn't tell anybody because, you know, it was the piss-taking would have got even yeah. worse than it already was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's part of the... You know, you, we, one rips the piss out of each other in, 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 in an industrial setting. But that would yeah. have been a step too far. That's what I thought. At the time, anyway, maybe I was wrong. Like I say, everybody gives it a go. Who knows? But it wasn't something that you'd, uh, you know, you'd kind of shout about until you were yeah. making a living out of it. And then it was, you know, manifest destiny. So I kind of took it into the nightclubs of Manchester just before punk. And uh, I was working in uh, these nightclubs that featured... Popular singers from years gone by who peaked, you know, a long time ago, but they had been big hitters, you know, household names. Can we talk about you travelling the world? You, you know, you, you say you circumnavigated the globe ten times over. You're getting paid to do poems. It must have felt amazing. Then coming with that is fame. What are your memories, I suppose, of that time in terms of growing famous, becoming known? Yeah, well, it was amazing, especially the first time I went to the United States. Right. That was sensational because I obviously I always envisaged uh, doing that one. You know, I, I did the, uh, the first, my first gig in in New York, for instance, was very very discouraging. That's another thing. I, I'm you know, it's, I'm not yeah. by nature a very tenacious person. You know, and uh, but the two places where I'm glad I kind of pers persisted are Glasgow and New York. Right. Both of which, my first shows in both those towns were terrible. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't go home and say, you know, I wouldn't leave it alone. And yeah. I made them have it at a later date. And I'm so happy that I did that. But it, it could so easily have turned out differently. Because as I say, I'm not by nature a, a tenacious kind of person. I mean, the, the, the absolute nerves it must take to walk out on a stage with no no band initially, just you and a microphone and be reciting poetry to people who've come to see music most of the time or a lot of the time. Yeah, that's right. And to have to push through uh, the conversations and be heard. That must have been terrifying. Well, it's, uh, it's not given to everybody, but, you know, uh, I guess there's a part of me that sort of, uh, you know, there's a showbiz part of me that, you know, what did they say? They say if you're in, you know, if you if you're in show business or to the extent that I am even, you know, you haven't got something extra. You got something missing, and that missing thing is I don't know a, a healthy degree of self doubt. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never really been a shrinking violet about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. 
And it's the only because I had to get over it because it was the only way I could get any kind of public. You know, they weren't publishing poets to any great degree back then. Yeah. And anyway, the best way to appreciate poetry is to hear it rather than read it anyway. And did you enjoy the fame? Yeah, sure, yeah. But I don't think anybody really, really knows what it is. It quickly got to be a pain in the ass, but I don't think anybody has the imagination to be prepared for it. Mm. I mean, it's against nature, isn't it? Yeah. People are not supposed to have an opinion about you before you've even met them. Yeah. So it's a a unique position uh, that I don't think anybody's prepared for. John, you spent a lot of the 1980s in, in in drug addiction. You described it uh, in an interview as a tedious and narrow life. Well, it is, isn't it? Yeah. When you were when you were on yeah, heroin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And why is that? Like, what is it about that life that well, makes well, it it's so? Well, it's, you're completely controlled by something, you know. It, it takes any kind of, I mean, I'm not the most um, spontaneous person in the world at the best of times, but it, it, becomes, it comes out of the question with that shit. Right. You know, what you're doing next Wednesday, oh, I'll tell you on Tuesday night. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. as good as it gets, isn't it? No, it's chaotic. I mean, that is the thing, isn't it? It's, uh, it's out of your control. It's chaotic. Some people mistake chaos for en- excitement. For it, you know, chaos is tedious. Mm. You know, an ordered life is uh, really what you're after. I should never have opened that door. <laughs> really? Is there a regret there? Oh, I, I, absolutely, of course, of course. Yeah. It doesn't stalk my every waking. I don't walk the streets in torment. Did you find that um, addiction changed you as a writer? Yeah, stop writing. <laughs> it's always, there was always something better to do than write a poem. Yeah. So, no, I didn't write anything for... Uh, you know, 20 years, 15 years, 10, I don't know how long it was. Did you ever go through doubt about your decision to be a poet? Like, did you ever doubt yourself in all of that time? No, no, not really. Mm. I couldn't, I, I couldn't do any, it's the, the only thing I'm any good at. I was never, I never stopped writing. It just wasn't like suitable for public declamation, I suppose. Oh, okay. Just a different okay. kind of stuff. I mean, you had, this amazing period of, I don't know, maybe five or six years. I think it started in 2007 when your song Evidently Chicken Town came on. The penultimate series of Sopranos. And then you had Plan B putting you on his album and his film. And then you had obviously the AM moment with Arctic Monkeys and I Want to Be Yours. What was it like to see your work kind of used in these ways? Fantastic. As Elvis once said, ambition is a dream with a V8 engine. That felt true at the time yeah. when all that was happening there. And especially the uh, the Arctic Monkeys doing, uh, use, utilising my lyrics on uh, I Want to Be Yours, which yeah. which has led to how many, what, over a billion hits worldwide on Spotify? Yeah. Blimey. I'm glad I wrote that one. I bet you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the wedding favourite of the 21st century as well. This episode is going out on Valentine's week. Oh, wicked. Oh, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. 
How do you feel about Valentine's Day? Do you, are you are oh, you up for it? Oh, absolutely. There's not enough romance in the world. Are you a romantic guy? To a sadistic degree. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love St. Valentine's Day, of course. Yeah, I write my wife a... a, a, a I shouldn't have said that. Mystery man, isn't it? Crikey, don't yeah. print that. <laughs> but so you don't <coughs> ever print your name? No, no. I think she knows my style by now. Yeah, does, yeah, does roses and the rhyme. I wanted your views on romance and, and, and that kind of uh, like enforced romance that is thrust upon us by society sometimes when it's commercialised in that way and, you know, everyone's... Well, that's the best kind. You like that? Yeah, I like that kind of thing. I yeah, every uh, yeah, I like the commodification of uh, romance. Yeah, it's part of pop music's strongest card. Yeah. You mentioned your wife, Evie, uh, I think, and please correct me if I'm wrong, you met her in the, in the late 80s. What was it about her that you fell for? Well, her looks and uh, uh, is always the first thing, you know. Oh. And what did she look like? Oh, terrific, yeah. And being French, you know, it's a kind of, it kind of links up. She always reminded me of uh, the late uh, Jane Birkin wow. at, that, at that time. What, beyond the looks? Oh, she's the sweetest personality. After after my parents, the sweetest woman. You know, after after my yeah. mom, <laughs> the yeah. sweetest woman I ever met. And then you had a daughter with Evie Stella. What what surprised you about becoming a parent, if anything? It was a surprise. I was very very late uh, in the day for me. Uh, fantastic, though. Like I, all my friends had them real young, and they were all like, "Oh, don't have, don't have children," you know. They were, you know, kind yeah. of disgruntled dads when they, by the time they were thirty six, you know. Yeah. Oh, no, so I thought it must be a you know nobody's got a good word for it. Yeah. So if if I'd have known how much fun it is, you know, like I say, I would have. Had, Another 17. But they wouldn't have all been like Stella. You know, no, a sweet kid. It's great. I love, you know, fantastic. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. John, what would be the change that you'd still like to make or see in the world? Ah, the return of mass literacy, liberty, romance and the habit of gentleness. I mean, that is a beautiful, beautiful utopia right there. 
it's very backward look. It's it's very kind of yes. It's quite in essence quite romantic. It's uh, it is quite yeah. natural in a person of my years. Uh, there's a great deal of uh, melancholy and loss in those yeah. choices. Yeah, the habit of gentleness, especially. Why that? I think it was the first casualty. Hmm. I could blame it on computers, but what do I know? What do I know about it? I don't. I don't know. It was the first casualty of something. Yeah. The habit of gentleness. And uh, mass literacy. Hmm. I don't want to believe the scare stories or not. You know, thank God Almighty, I don't have to think about schools and education anymore. Yeah. I can't believe my daughter. She she up to a point she really liked going to school. Yeah. I was never like that at any point. Yeah, you didn't like it. Didn't suit you. No, I hated it. Yeah, I really mm. did. But but you know, having said that, you know, I'm glad they uh, rendered me, uh, you know, literate. So I, a great deal to thank 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 the education system. But, but you know, I was certainly quite the ingrate yeah. at, at the time. Getting back to romance and the fact that this is coming out on Valentine's week, can I ask you some questions? in a kind of agony uncle way, where I ask you some situations <laughs> that I would like to get your take on. Sure, why not? So let's say someone's listening who is in a relationship and they want to make it a long lasting relationship. What would you say is the secret to kind of that longevity in a romantic relationship? Mm. Maintaining, I ought to know because I, you know, I've done exactly that. Well, you're exactly in a lovely that. long one. Yeah. I've done exactly that, but yeah. again, I think it, it involves some kind of magic that I don't want to interfere with. Do as you're told. <laughs> that's, that's, that's good advice for the guys out there. Just, just do as you're told. Okay, love that. <laughs> what about if someone is listening who fancies someone but's too scared to make a move? Employ the uh, the services of a, a go-between. Right. Who would uh, talk up your best qualities to this woman. Yeah. <laughs> and, await like... the, uh, <laughs> and await the outcome. Yeah. It's a bit like, that's a bit playground-y, that one, isn't it? It's like, play, yeah, play my, my like, mate fancies al you. Alternatively, play them like a fish. <laughs> okay one of the two that, that's two great options if someone is listening right now and they're heartbroken they've just had their heart broken they've been dumped from a great height what would you say to them next time it won't be this bad hmm. you'll never have your heart broken like that again it's true the first time is the first worst time. The first time's the worst time, isn't it? Nobody yeah. will ever break your heart like that again. No. Have you ever had your heart broken like that? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Can you remember it? Yeah. We drifted apart in the harsh winter of Salford, yeah. Right. It's in yeah. the book. Sheila. Yeah. Sheila. I, I left home for name. her. You left home for her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a place on Camp Street. Because yeah. it was a low-rent sort of ghetto full of, you know, art students and hookers and what have you. Yeah. Mal Malcontents of one kind or another. Mm. So, but it was freezing. 
so we kind of started going home to our respective parents at at tea time. <laughs> <laughs> Just until to stand finally, next to the super server. And so finally, yeah. none of us could countenance going back to this freezing apartment on Camp yeah. Street. So we kind of, uh, for the good of our respective health, we uh, split up quite undramatically, but it was yeah. heartbreaking nevertheless. I bet. It, it never happens it mutually, you know. And she went off the boil before I did. Yeah. So. Do you think it's important to have your heart broken? At an early age. Get it out of the way. But after that, you, I'm not saying you never, you, you never, it's never going to happen again. But it ain't going to, Oh, know. yeah. It's never going to be happen so intensely, right? Like, to, More the pain. A, it's not heartbreak. It's a, a hairline fracture from then on in. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Would you consider um, reading out uh, I Want to Be Yours? No problem. Your most romantic poem for our lovely listeners. It would be churlish to refuse. Go for it. Okay, this is the uh, wedding favourite of the 21st century. I Want to Be Yours, also the title of my memoir on sale at uh, All Good Stockists. Uh, I want to be yours by Dr. John Cooper Clark. Let me be your vacuum cleaner breathing in your dust. Let me be your Morris Marina. I will never rust. If you like your coffee hot, let me be your coffee pot. You call the shots. I want to be yours. Let me be your raincoat for those frequent rainy days. Let me be that dream boat when you want to sail away. Let me be your teddy bear. Take me with you anywhere. I don't care. I want to be yours. Let me be your electric meter. I will never run out. Let me be the electric heater you get pneumonia without. Let me be that setting lotion that grips your skull with deep devotion. Deep as the deep Atlantic Ocean, that's how deep is my devotion. A deep, 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 deep. I don't want to be hers, I want to be yours. Happy St. Valentine's, everybody. Directly from my heart to you. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> Incredible. Thank you so much, John. Pleasure. Now, John, your book, What is out now uh, it looks absolutely beautiful and you're going to be going on tour as well from the 5th of March um, you know reciting this poetry and more obviously there are tickets available by the way so if anyone is listening who wants to go and see John in action do that please do that have you noticed a change in your audience oh no every kind of people every kind of people is my audience I'm so happy to say that you know really yeah. you know all ages all kinds of people Unbelievable, yeah. you know, yeah. what a bit of TV will get you. Amazing. I, I mean, a cab, a, a cab driver, I was stood outside the hotel in in uh, South Kensington uh, a few weeks ago, and a, a guy, he, 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 he was carrying a fare, he screeched to a halt, jumped out and said, John Cooper Clark, my favourite poet, shook me by the hand, got back wow. in the car. Wow. Got back in the car. People That's would amazing. have been surprised. I mean, not long ago, pe any people would have been quite surprised that uh, a London cabbie would have a favourite poet mm. at all. Mm. So you can't buy that kind of validation. And uh, I'm, so, I'm very happy to say this, you know, every kind of people. Love that. Thank you so much, John, for taking the time today uh, to speak to us. And it was such a pleasure to have that time with you. Thank you. Pleasure was mine, Annie. Thank you very much. 
If you enjoy changes, please do rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Share it with your friends and family. Go on social media. Tell everyone about it. Tag me, Annie McManus. I always love to see how you react to these episodes. And it's just so helpful to be seen and to be shared by you lot. So thank you so much if you do. There's a whole catalogue of episodes to listen to. If you have missed any at all, go back and check them out. And we'll be back next week. Changes is produced by Louise Mason with assistant production from Anna DeWolf Evans. See you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.